Counting calories is out. Weight loss is an internal game, what I like to call weight release, and it all starts from within. You're listening to Confidence Strong Within, a podcast for women ready to feel good about their bodies, rediscover their confidence, and share their brilliance with the world. I am your host, Juliana Lima, mind-body weight release expert and lifelong health seeker. And I am so pleased to have you here. Let's get started. You're listening to episode number 76 of Confidence From Within podcast. And as always, I am your host, Juliana Lehman. And in today's episode, I interview Meredith Richardson on her life-changing story and how it changed the course of her life. So without any further ado, let me introduce you to Meredith. Meredith Richardson provides coaching and hypnotherapy to people throughout the world, offering life-altering transformation to her clients in as little as one hypnotherapy session. Meredith has been published in Newsweek and featured in Authority Magazine, Thrive Global, and The Story Exchange. Here is Meredith. Welcome, Meredith, to the show. I am so pleased to have you on the podcast today. Welcome. Thank you. I am honored to be here. I'm very grateful that you've invited me. Wonderful. And today we're going to have an interesting conversation. And I'll let us let you start by telling us your story in just a moment. And I mentioned you before recording that I actually resonate with aspects of this. So let's just see. I think it'll be very special. But before we jump right in, Tell us what does confidence mean to you? So I think my view of confidence has changed over the years um, because I didn't used to like to admit to feeling fear. And so I think before I would have thought that confidence was um, not feeling that fear and it was what you could do without Mm -hmm. having any anxiety or anything coming up for Mm -hmm. you. And now I believe that I mean, confidence is when you can stride forward and keep doing what you want to do, regardless of whether you have fear or not, but you truly believe in yourself, right? You truly believe that I can make this happen. Mm -hmm. That is confidence. I can make this happen no matter what. I can make this happen even though I'm feeling fear right now. I can make this happen no matter what the obstacles are. Mm-hmm. I can make this happen even though I don't even know what all the obstacles are. <laughs> yeah. I just know that I can make this happen. Mm-hmm. That is confidence to me. I love that. Because I think from what you said, like what comes to mind for me is that sometimes people associate confidence with bravery, right? But what mm-hmm. you're saying is more confidence with trust, right? Or that bigger connection, right? It is. It's that full belief in yourself, right? Yeah. And I... I also have a different definition of bravery than I used to have. Yeah. Right? So for me, what happened, I had two people try to kidnap me and I am alive today because I was able to fight off my attacker. I fully believe that. Mm. And afterwards, people would tell me I was brave and I would say, I'm not brave because I felt so afraid afterwards. And I hadn't been in that space of feeling afraid all the time like this before. And so I went and looked up like what bravery means in the dictionary. And I was thinking, okay, so before 
people would have told me I was brave and I would have thought I didn't know any better. So I was rushing into things without knowing better. Afterwards, I know too much. And so I'm not wanting to rush into things, but they're telling me I'm brave, right? So what is bravery? And I think you're right. It's similar to confidence, right? It's being able to go forward no matter what, right? Mm -hmm. Knowing that this needs to be done. Like you have this deep sense of purpose that comes with bravery because it's something that you're doing above and beyond yourself and your own physical needs, right? Right. When you're going in bravely into something, there's, um, there's this recognition that you could be harmed and you're doing it anyway for the purpose of the greater good. You're doing it for a purpose that is greater than yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. The part of your story that I think I want to start focusing on, and I'll just like give a little context here, uh, is mm-hmm. the whole concept of fear. And fear is probably the primary, I'd say, emotion that I've dealt with myself for 20 years now actively um, in my adult years. And I was born and raised in a very dangerous country. I was born and raised in Brazil. So the fear of being kidnapped is probably my primary fear my entire childhood. Uh, oh, wow. And that's why when I, you know, saw your story and what they did, I thought this is really in- interesting because this is a fear that even though after moving to Canada almost 20 years ago, that specific fear has dissipated for the most part for me because I right. perceive I'm much safer now and I'm an adult, <laughs> right? right? So I have other tools now. Um, but I think the fear, you know, gets replaced with something else. Like we're always kind of almost conditioned to always be in alert. And I noticed that mm-hmm. through COVID and things, whereas my husband that has had a much safer upbringing in Canada can observe, but he can't really even relate, right? Because he has never felt the level of fear that I did. So right. just wanted to give the context why I'm so interested <laughs> in that topic. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't mind, like, tell us a little bit about your understanding of fear, maybe your relationship with that emotion and the different versions of it that you've kind of like experienced throughout the process. Okay, I will. I want you to hold that question for a second because I had yes. a couple of things come up <laughs> while you were talking. So first of all, I grew up in a dangerous neighborhood. And my father was an auxiliary police officer, and he also was the protector, and he taught us to run toward danger instead of away from it. But when I was uh, about 10 years old, I had, um, I didn't have an attempt at kidnapping, but I had um, people attack me because I was my father's daughter. So I was a 10 year old, there was a 14 year old girl. My father had arrested her boyfriend for shoplifting in in our grocery store. I didn't even know this girl. I just was in the wrong place at the right time. Right. And so there was a group of high school students. One of them spotted me, she knew me. I didn't know the other two, one of which was this girl. And I got thrown in the river as a result. Mm-hmm. And I had oh, wow. to be fished out of the river by an adult afterwards and brought home. And um, for me, there was, you know, like a happy ending or a happy enough ending, right? So my father came down, back down to the park where it had happened. He organized a search party. The girl was found. It ended up being my first trip to the court. So I ended up being a, an attorney and a mediator later. But my first experience in court 
was testifying against this girl at her criminal trial. Wow. Because she and the prosecutor couldn't reach an agreement on what should happen. And so she went away to the juvenile detention center for a few months. And I only know that because for a few months, she wasn't also still harassing me. So my father had put like word out on the street that anything that happened to his family, he was going to do to the person that did it. And that kept us safe afterwards, at least from physical attack. But she would Mm -hmm. still, when she would see me, she would still say things to me. Mm -hmm. And in my family, we weren't supposed to show fear, right? So I would be afraid. This girl was a lot bigger than I was. She had the ability, she had already shown her ability to do harm to me. But in my family, we weren't supposed to show fear. We were supposed to be the people that helped people. And so fear was just shoved way down, Mm, right? So that mm -hmm. I could continue to just go forward Mm -hmm. and do what I did. So that piece came up for me. I didn't realize that that was a piece. Like I thought, I'm done with that. I'm, you know, I'm an adult. Um, But when I went to a hypnotherapist to try weight loss and we went to the limiting belief, turned out safety was a limiting belief for me because if I did this, if I lost the weight, I wouldn't be big anymore and I wouldn't be able to protect myself. Right. right? Yeah. So it came. So I wanted to share that piece. And then the attempted kidnapping after the attempted kidnapping, I couldn't feel, I couldn't get myself to feel safe again in, um, in my state. So it happened in Maine. I couldn't get myself to feel safe in Maine and New Hampshire, mm-hmm. um, because it was too close to where it had happened. Right. And I was retraining my brain to feel safe. And so after a couple of years, I was able to, I went to Canada, um, and I intentionally went because I was looking at, okay, I need to go someplace where I'll still have control. I'll still have control over the car. Right. But I'm also going to be in a completely different country. It's not going to feel the same. And I went to French-speaking Canada mm-hmm. because, um, one, it was close, and two, I, um, I speak some French. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I had to move my car uh, around the time of sunset, and I really did not want to do it because that was the time that this had happened to me. Right. So that was a triggering time. And I went outside. And the people around me were speaking French and my body didn't react. Like it didn't react to the fact that it was sunset. It was just like, yeah, whatever, we're going to go move the car. And so I'm just like, wait a second, what's the difference? Because if I were out in Maine right now, you would be freaking out about the this time. And I realized it was because I was safe. Like I was in, nothing bad had ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. in a French-speaking country, right? Mm-hmm. I had traveled, yeah. I, had been, I had lived in France as a student. I had been there, I had been to Quebec before and it had all been good. So for my body, they were like, it's a safe place. Go ahead, you walk around, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. So when you were talking about the difference of being in Canada versus yeah. childhood home, I totally get it because I ended up wandering the world so that I could be safe, right? So I could get back to that feeling yeah. Of feeling fully safe again, right? Yeah. And heal that part. Yeah. So now Absolutely. I need to circle back to your question. <laughs> I need to repeat yes. it because that's all that all came up when we were talking. Yeah. 
was there's so much more similarities here. Yeah. And it gives context as well, right? In terms of place and that. What is interesting that he said is that your mind obviously had a clear association, right? With where safety was versus a different language. And I find it interesting for me when I came here, my relationship with fear shifted forms, but it was Mm -hmm. almost like my body was so used to being hyper alert that I couldn't relax. Like I didn't know how to relax. It it took me years working on myself, specifically on my hormones, my cortisol to now reset a new baseline, right? So have you had a similar experience that you felt safer by being stressed out (laughs) or in alert at all times? Yeah. So what happened was I did, I felt safer and I was able to, um, get to the point where I felt, I guess, you know, I felt similar to the way I had before the attempted kidnapping. Right. And I also realized that I still was being triggered more into fear than I would have been in the past. Um, and that I actually wanted to be at a different level than this anyway, I realized that the way that I had been living before was unhealthy. And I had been living that way because that's what I knew, but I needed right. to um, I needed to make shifts both consciously and subconsciously. So for me, there was a recognition um, a couple of years ago also that, my family couldn't be there for me the way that I needed them to be after the attempted kidnapping. Mm-hmm. And it was really frustrating to me because I was somebody who always was there for other people. And I didn't understand why with all that I had put out in the world, why wasn't this coming back? Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was hurt by that too. And I realized a couple of years ago that part of it was that So for me, fear was my shadow self. That was something I didn't show to other people and I didn't admit to having. Mm -hmm. And actually it was the shadow self of everybody in my family. We were all raised to run toward danger, right? Right. So the problem was that I was still fearful and I wanted that honored and they couldn't handle that because if, if they honored that, they also had to deal with the fear that they themselves might feel, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. And they had to deal with the fact that in in my family, the the bad stories, they all had happy endings, right? So my father would have these situations, but in the end, he would be fine, right? Or we would take on a bully and it would be fine. And in this situation, I wasn't fine. Right. It wasn't the happy yeah. ending that they wanted. They wanted me to just pretend and it's all fine. The end. Right. They <laughs> yes. They did this and I fought them off. And there and I had that too. I was like, I don't understand. Like if they didn't get me in the van, what's my problem? Mm-hmm. Right. Why is it it was an attempted kidnapping? It was not a kidnapping. Right. Mm-hmm. So we have this way of talking to ourselves where it's just like, that's not enough. You're not allowed to keep feeling fearful because of an attempt, right? If you succeeded in fighting them off, then you're not supposed to be fearful. Mm-hmm. But I had to go to trial with this man and I got really clear on why there was fear mm-hmm. um, at that trial. So yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting process. And so I did anyway, I got to the point where I was like, okay, I think I'm, 
you know, close to where I was before. I still have more fear than I used to, but we don't have to have it be first and foremost on our mind. It can be something that is just, it's a piece and I can take measures to make myself safe, like not living in the area for where it would be easier for him to get me. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you can take precautions, sort of knowing what the circumstances, but not let the circumstances rule your life, right? And still mm-hmm. be empowered to live a happy life and do the things that you want to. That is an incredible story, Meredith. Oh my goodness. Like I didn't even know the depth of it, but you know, and it's so interesting too that from that early age you had this experience of almost like not being able to recognize fear as an emotion you express and then mm-hmm. having such an extreme set of circumstances that obviously are very fear inducing, you know, later on. That's very interesting. And I know you've taken like all these difficult things you went through and you really made them almost like this catalyst, right? For the work you do and, you mm-hmm. know, all the the beauty that you share with the world, which is really commendable and I would say anytime that I see somebody take their mess and make it their message, like it really inspire me. I think, wow, this is so powerful. So talk to me a little bit in terms of, because I know you mentioned before we started recording the whole concept of somebody is like afraid, right? Or maybe mm-hmm. not something as in external fear. It could even be fear, you know, in our minds of doing something. Talk to us about the concept of pushing through fear constantly, which is probably more what I used to do <laughs> from my mm-hmm. upbringing, versus stretching those boundaries. Right. To moving forward, but not mm-hmm. being in this constant state of stress or, you know, <laughs> self-stress, I guess. Right. So I think a lot of overachievers, right? So you and myself included, um, we we have like this low running level of anxiety, which is actually, we use it as a motivating force to get things done, right? So we don't even know that we're high functioning anxiety until it gets to a crisis point. We just know we get more done than other people do. And we're more motivated to get more done. So we're always like, we have a giant to-do list and it's just like, do, 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 do. And we do, 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 do. And (laughs) we only feel good if we're doing, right? And we only feel worthy if we're doing. And we don't realize until we break, oh, that's actually anxiety. And we're also not willing to give it up because we get such positive reinforcement. Yeah. We're always being in that do, do, do list, right? Yeah. So after, um, so after the attempted kidnapping, I was very committed to getting back to myself as I was before the attempted kidnapping. Mm -hmm. And I was somebody who got things done, right? (laughs) So I was just like, all right, I know how to reprogram my brain. I know that my brain is is capable of being reprogrammed. I know that I can do things to stretch my Mm -hmm. comfort zone every day. I know Mm -hmm. that um, there are ways to make this happen, that right there is a comfort zone and it will get stretched. So. Initially, I will say the first day, no, initially the first day I hid out in my bed and that's it. (laughs) And the second day, um, my then husband was just like, okay, you can't live like this, right? So how about you come out with me and we'll walk the dog. And I was able to go out and um, walk one, just one block, one, one length of a block 
And that was too much. And I was holding on to him and he had the dog. I was like, I have to turn back. But the next day I could go with the dog by without him and I could walk that one block. And then I could walk a little bit more mm. until I was really, really scared. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I could come back. And the next day I could go even further. And I basically saw it as I was physically clearing that space for myself. I was training my brain. Look, we're safe in this space, right? We can do this amount of space. No problem. Now, also, because I was not somebody who allowed myself to like deal with the fact that I was having fear, I was back mediating in the middle of people's conflict within like 10 days after the attempted kidnapping. Wow. And I was really proud to be doing that. But I'm going to tell you, that was not the best thing to do because I was still experiencing such a great deal of fear, right? So I was not in that space of just stretching my comfort zone. Yeah. I was pushing myself farther than my comfort zone wanted to go. Yeah. So if you're in the space and you're wanting to stretch your comfort zone versus tearing your comfort zone, then feel the fear and do it anyway can be a way to re-traumatize yourself Mm -hmm. because you're trying so hard to do what you want and you're refusing to acknowledge what your body is saying. And so your body is just like, okay, I'm going to make you really fear this because obviously you're not listening to me. Yeah. So let me make it as big and awful as possible to get you to knock off what you're doing. As opposed to saying, okay, you know, this, I can go to here and that's comfortable. And if I go a little bit further, that's a little uncomfortable. Let's stop there where it's a little uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I don't have to get to the point of my body screaming at me. Yeah. Right. But it turns out I actually do have to get to that point too many times. (laughs) (laughs) But the healthier solution is to just go to the point of a little bit of discomfort, right? So yep. if you're thinking about doing an exercise program and if you are someone who does your exercise until injury and then you can't exercise for a bit afterwards, right? Yep. You've exactly. done that to yourself. And it's the same thing whether you're doing it physically or emotionally, but we're much better at doing itself to ourselves emotionally and saying, but it needed to be done. Yeah, absolutely. And I hear this advice a lot too. And I feel in some contexts, it's actually not good advice to say, oh, just do something that scares you every day. Like it, it, that never really spoke to me because I think I've always, you know, coming from this fearful place in life, mm-hmm. I'm much, I totally get what they're trying to say, but I much rather look from the perspective you just shared that it's about still stretching your comfort zone, but not like re-traumatizing yourself, right? In in whatever right. it is. But I think it's such like almost like popular advice that we just almost believe that if I'm not afraid, I'm not doing this right, right? <laughs> and I have learned that that is maybe one way to create through tension and fear and struggle but there's a different way, right? That is true inspiration that you're still going to feel out of your comfort zone, but not necessarily terrified for your life, right? And I think it is like a, maybe a, a more difficult way to create from because it's more unknown. Most people know the struggle, um, but right. I think it is available, right? And, and I love your analogy, which is 
like what actually happened, but like the walking the block a little bit more each time, as opposed to, you know, bullying yourself to go all the way down the street and just like, you know, that would not have been helpful at that time. Right. So I think right. respecting yourself and your time and in your process, a beautiful side of what you just said. Right. And so for me, it is about connecting with yourself and connecting with your body. And what do you really need? Right. What do you need in this in this moment? Why are you having this fear in the first place? Yeah. And yeah. so many times what we'll do is we'll take that anxiety and we will distract ourselves with it. Or for me, I'm a stress eater. Right. So going away and leaving everything behind, I actually was able to release weight more easily. It could just happen naturally. Yeah, because my yeah. body wasn't always in that state of fear, right? Right, right? And I wasn't always stressing myself. And so there wasn't that constant thinking, oh, well, this is a need for stress eating. Well, no, I didn't have that. I still had some, but I didn't have it all the time. And so the weight was naturally releasing because there were less stress hormones coming in. And it was also less that I was doing intentionally to mm. do it, right? Yeah, absolutely. So there is always the circling back to your body. I mean, I would say I used to be good at um, tending to the fear in terms of knowing how to tend to it to release it and then get back to doing what I wanted. So for example, um, anxiety, right? Feeling anxious, feeling is just fear. So if you're feeling anxious about doing something and you go for a walk, then you're going to tend to it because your body is in that fight or flight response. So when you're walking, you're fleeing, you're just fleeing more slowly. So you're releasing <laughs> yeah. naturally, right? <laughs> yeah. That, that it needs, you're giving it what it needs in that. But now I also um, go to just talking things through with my body when it's happening. So mm -hmm. why is this even coming up? What is it that you're trying to let me know? Yeah. Because the emotions only, emotions only have to last for 90 seconds, right? So yeah. the emotion lasts for 90 seconds unless we fire for it to happen again. Mm -hmm. And it's not that we're consciously saying, oh, you know what? Like, I want to keep smiling. So I'm going to intentionally fire for it every 90 <laughs> seconds. We're not doing that. Yeah. Um, but at a subconscious level, that's happening. So if you can tend to the anxiety, if you can recognize this, oh, this is a messenger, you've come, you're letting me know that you're feeling unsafe about something. So why don't we figure out what you're feeling unsafe about? Because I don't want you reacting like you're a saber, like there's a saber tooth tiger. And really it's that I'm marketing again, right? Yeah. I don't yeah. want to deal with that <laughs> level of it. Yes. But when you're not used to that, when what you're used to is saying, I don't deal with my negative emotions. I only deal with my positive emotions. I'm only allowed to have positive emotions. So yeah. I'm going to shove you to the side and put you in a box. Mm -hmm. Eventually that anxiety comes at you like a volcano. Oh, yes. Because you stored so much underneath and it's yeah. just rumbling and ready to explode. Yeah. That last thing you just said, like it's exactly even what my book is about, like my book release Mm -hmm. And it's very much the concept for me, the expression of the volcano came in the form of very debilitating chronic pain for like 15 plus years of almost daily migraines. Like my life was really, but really impacted by it. Mm -hmm. 
And it was very much kind of that concept you already said that, you know, for so long in my life, I believed that being positive and just looking at the bright side was the way. And it was mm-hmm. really not even resistant to negative emotions, but discounted the value of them, right? And mm-hmm. I think my physical muscles and, you know, every piece of my body absorbed the emotions that I wasn't willing to process on my own. Yes. And that was like a huge part of the aha when it really started to shift for me and the healing. But now it's to the point that if I think of something and my body doesn't want, as long as I tune in, I have almost certainty of the course of action. It's pretty incredible. It's like my body speaks to me through sensations, right? But it's so much more clear. Whereas before, I think I probably ignored it so much that he had to scream, like you said. Um, But we we can, that bridge can be rebuilt, I think is what I'm trying to say. Um, And I think in one, in a small scale, like I'm proof of that in terms of my health now, but also how my body talks to me, right? So for somebody that is in that place that the body is screaming at them or Mm -hmm. the weight is still very stuck. And I know you have many modalities that you work with. And they're trying to understand why are they, you know, trying to keep safe in their own physical body and so on. What are some, you know, maybe a couple of different things that we can start to do or think differently in order to unlock that door for them as well? Yeah. So if they are um, in that space, first of all, I would echo what you just said, that you can reverse things. So for me, getting my body, getting to the point that it was screaming at me um, meant that I have, um, mast cell activation syndrome, which basically means that, um, my body reacts with allergic reactions to things it's not allergic to, right? So it's fighting off invaders that don't actually exist. Um, and that for some people, it can be, it can end up with pain or brain fog. Um, it can end up with a lot of inflammation, weight uh, issues, right? It ends up for me, um, food intolerances. Yeah. Right. So I had to get to a point where I, um, was, I got down to about six foods that I could eat on a rotation diet before I was able to, um, turn things around. And so I have to eat a diet that looks very different than everybody else's. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't really notice it that much because I'm doing it at home. It's when I'm out you know, traveling or going over to someone else's house and they want to know if I have any food intolerances and I realize (laughs) I have a laundry list. Um, That's when it comes into play. But the reality is that I live a pretty healthy lifestyle. Right. And so you can shift it as you've talked about, right? So if someone is in that space and their body is reacting, then instead of popping Prilosec or Tums or Rolades, right? Yeah. It's time to honor your body. It's time to be saying, okay, you don't like this food, right? You don't like what I just did to you. And I'm really sorry. And let's not do that anymore. Like, let's Mm -hmm. not do the American thing of, but if you take this pill, you can still do all of this to your body, right? Let's honor the fact that your body doesn't like it. And maybe it will like it in the future someday. Mm-hmm. And maybe it will never like it. But you're not going to like your body if you keep doing this to it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
So it's getting back to that innate wisdom that you already have Mm -hmm. that you're not listening to, because if you want to get to the point that you're at where, you know, in your body instinctively, right, what's right and what's not right. If you want to get back to that level of communication, then you have to start listening again. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when you have any kind of a feeling that comes up, it's just a feeling. It's just a messenger, right? Yeah. And there can be, with the feelings, we can put so much pressure on ourselves around what those feelings mean, or that we're going to have that feeling forever. If I release this feeling, everybody's going to know I have this feeling. If I release this feeling, uh, it's never going to end. And it's a terrible feeling. And I don't like to feel that way. And I would much rather feel good. So I'm going to eat a cupcake, right? Like, yeah, making peace with the fact that we have both positive and negative emotions and that yeah. we're allowed to have both of those, right? That that is, yeah. it is normal to have both positive and negative emotions. And it is really healthy. I have a total bias on this because I have, a, like you, like I see the world uh, with rose colored glasses most of the time. So it's really, it is very healthy to be able to look at the world and see the best in the world and see the best in the people around you and see the best in whatever happens to you. And at the same time, if you don't allow yourself to process the worst that happens to you, it does, it all gets stuck in the body. Exactly. It's very true. And I think then life becomes about compensating for half of our lives. Because I think I, I truly believe, and this comes from very deep rooted in a lot of the the training that I've had in, in human behavior and studying the human condition and universal principles, mm-hmm. the whole concept that if you take a magnet, you cut it in half, you're always going to have the positive and the negative sides, no matter how thinly you cut the magnet, like you can't right. separate the two sides. But I think when we try to live life only with the positives, discount the negatives, we're basically just accepting half of 50% of life, right? Like we're not seeing the value in the quotations negativity on the other side that get labeled as bad. But again, this is just a label, right? And for me, for example, uh, when I still have the odd headache here and there, which Mm -hmm. going from six migraines a week to a couple headaches a month, I consider that success. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead of very much, like I said, picking up the Advil, which used to be, you know, the, the, the quicker option for me. Now I actually stop and and ask my brother, like, what am I doing that it's out of alignment and congruency? What are you trying to get me away from? Like, what is the hidden agenda of this pain? And 99% of the time I can tell, you know, what is the underlying reason that got me to a place and my body's trying to get me out of that situation. It's pretty remarkable, right? right? And then the pain can dissipate as I shift what I'm doing, where I'm focused. And if I can't, if it's a task that I have to complete and so on, I'm a lot more aware of what I'm doing rather than just victim of my consequences, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think it's so interesting. But like what you said is important, I think, to highlight is at the beginning, right? Somebody that their body's screaming to them, they're just starting to pay attention to not also put too much pressure on decoding, you know, every little emotions and so on. And just like at the beginning, just be curious, right? And see how does it feel when something feels good, 
not so good, how this tension feel in the body, emotional tension and all these things. And I think that initial, like you said, like contemplation, trying to decode, but also being curious rather than, you know, maybe the overachiever in us want an answer <laughs> right, right away. It's like, I want to know what it is. Uh, I think it's also helpful because it taken me many, many years, a lot of support from external sources and perspectives to even decode myself. Right. And right. being able now to have an innate sense of what it is. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's such a beautiful suggestion to start there because I agree with you 100 percent. We have all the wisdom that we that we need inside of us. It's just interference out right, so that we can actually hear. Right. And it is. So I love what you said in terms of the magnet. I think that we can be really good at only loving the parts of ourselves that we see as worthy of love, right? So yeah. I love the positive parts of myself and not the negative parts of myself. And so I'm going to, not intentionally, but I'm going to wear a mask and I'm only going to show you the positive parts of myself because <laughs> if I don't like those negative parts, you're not going to like them either, right? Yeah. So we're just going to pretend, all of us are going to pretend that those negative parts don't exist. And then if there is a negative part that pops out, I'm going to treat it unkindly because I'm pretending it doesn't exist. And so what's it doing here? Yeah. Right. And so yeah. making that peace with yourself of, yeah, this part is still here. Right. And I like what you talked about in terms of the headaches, because you get to make a conscious choice. The problem is that when your choice is always not today, I can't hear you. I don't want to be bothered. Yeah. Eventually it will scream at you. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because if you choose not today, every single time, <laughs> yes, it's just like, all right, well, today works for me. So yeah. let's make this happen. <laughs> Today's convenient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there is that tapping into it and also loving the part of yourself that will say still, but not today. Yeah. I don't feel like dealing with this, right? So yeah. Um I had it's funny because I have a little pain in my thumb today and yesterday I had it. And I noticed it. And I was out at a networking event and I was like, hi, yeah, I've got that. I don't really know what it is. And I know it's got to be some, I don't know. Well, I don't know. It could be for food related. It could be because I've been out playing in the garden. Um, and I was networking and they had pizza. And even though that pizza had gluten and it had cow's milk, I was just like, you know what? There's a little bit of a stress eater still in me and I want that pizza. And I've been standing next to it for half an hour and <laughs> smelling it. And even though my thumb hurts and even though I know that, I'm still going to eat that piece of pizza and I'm going to enjoy it 100% knowing that, yeah, this time, this is a very conscious choice. I have checked in on myself. I know all that I'm doing and I'm still going to love that part of me that made a bad food choice <laughs> because that that's loving all of you, right? It's saying, yeah. okay, I, sometimes that's going to happen and that's normal, right? It's normal yeah. that we're, we we want to be as healthy as possible, right? We want to be making good choices. The more good shape choices we make, the healthier we'll be. And sometimes we're going to make choices that aren't good for our body. And that's okay too, because that's who we are. Yeah. And I think the 
you know, going deeper into believing that the choice wasn't good in the first place probably is what actually contributes to the choice having a negative impact in their health, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, for example, say that we are in this strict weight loss diet, which is not what I promote, but let's just say, and then you go Mm -hmm. out with friends and we love spending time with friends. So we have two choices, right? We can partake and have a fantastic time full of love and oxytocin hormone relief. Mm -hmm. And go home and be totally fine or go there, feel guilty, partake with you guilty and not enjoy yourself and go home and feel terrible, right? Same everything, same you, same food, same friends. And I think it's really that choosing, like I, I call it increasing your joy coefficient so that in every moment, in every decision, you can choose to up the part of the decision that makes you feel joy, joyous and neutralize mm-hmm. the part of it that you perceive as negative. So overall, you can be doing like groceries like my husband and I, and we make it more fun by taking a different route there, by going in different aisles and finding something new and fun, something as you know simple as grocery shopping that some people think is a chore. We made mm-hmm. it into this super fun thing that we look forward to every week, right? And I think that's true for anything. We can turn any situation into something positive, or something negative, like life mm-hmm. is a matter of choosing perspectives, right? And the more I go deep into that, the more it fascinates me that we can change our entire world by changing our minds. And I think that is true for fear as well, right? <laughs> sure, we may not just circling back, like put yourself in dangerous situations. Like, yes, I, I wouldn't recommend that. But I think the perception of everything that comes after that very much like what you did that you took something so difficult and you made it into even a career that now we help other people, right? Like in the overachiever right. <laughs> category uh, to listen to their bodies and manage themselves. I think it's very special and definitely something to be a role model for. So thank you for the work you do. And thank then you. the last question for you in terms of listeners that want to learn more about you, work with you, find down details, tell us how we can find you online. Sure. So I have a Facebook group called Living Your Best Life at Midlife and Beyond. So that would be the easiest way to find me. Mm -hmm. Um, You can also find me at Mm MeredithLRichardson.com. It has to have the L in the middle. Okay. There's another Meredith Richardson. She is a stunt double. She already got the other website. I don't have it. So com. I offer um, a free hypnotherapy recording if people are interested. So for me, that is my way of tapping into people's subconscious, which I know you're a big proponent of working with the subconscious as well as with the conscious mind and how much um, power you can harness when you get the two of them working together. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So they can go there and get a free um, hypnotherapy recording to help them to do that. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. Now make sure that we put all the links in the show notes as well. So whoever's listening, if you just want to go and click, then you have that option. Thank you so much again for your time, for so openly sharing your story. You know, you had such like difficult circumstances handed to you from very early in life. And to really see all that you've done with it is really commendable. So thank you for your time and your bravery and courage as well. (laughs) Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. I think I could be on here for another hour with you. (laughs) We have lots of things in common. So absolutely. (laughs) We do. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to Confidence From Within. If you enjoyed this episode, 
take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram at naturally.joyous and I will be sure to tag you back. I would also love for you to leave us a review on iTunes so you can help us support our show. Stay healthy and happy and until next time.